bless Brother Miller as he teaches us this morning, God. Bless our Sunday school discipleship offering this morning, God. And we give you honor and we give you praise. It's good to have everybody here. Amen. We want Brother Miller to come. Amen. And I'll take up our discipleship offering this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Always good to be in the house of God, excited about what God is doing, and in great anticipation for what God is going to do. We've been having revival services, awesome services. The messages have been on point and on time, and that's how our God works, and I'm so glad for it. It's been a blessing to my soul, and I'm looking forward to what God has for us today. Amen. We are going to continue with our lessons here, talking about putting life back into perspective. And this is the last lesson of this series. I won't tell you that this is the last Sunday that we'll be talking about this lesson. Amen. Because every time I attempt to do that, uh, that ends up not being the case. So thank God that uh, he is in control of time. Because uh, if time wasn't on our side, then we'd be in trouble. Amen. But talking about putting life back into perspective, and as I said before, I'm really, I have, it's been a blessing for me just going through these lessons and through this series. Um, just the things that God has been dealing with my heart about, and I pray that it has been a blessing for you. Amen. If this stuff is not helping us to grow in the things of God, it's really to no avail. We, it's, it serves no purpose. Amen. So our whole intent is to develop and to grow in the things of God. Titus chapter two. And I'm going to read from the amplified version. So I apologize. Uh, normally I have. In fact, I have the King James here before me, but I want to read in the amplified version. I like how sometimes the amplified expounds upon uh, what the King James already says, and so it's not taking away. Amen. Titus chapter 2, and we've been talking about leadership as it pertains to ministry. As I've always said, ministry is the entire work of God. It's not just tied to a position or a role or a function, but it is the entire work of God. Amen. And so all of us who have been called out of the world into his marvelous light, have been uh, saved and filled with his spirit. We have been empowered to engage in the work of the ministry, which is the work of the Lord. That's exciting just to know that, that God has called you and I to do a work. Amen. So I'm beginning with the first verse in Titus chapter 2. It says, but as for you, teach what is fitting and becoming to sound or wholesome doctrine. How many know that if it's half doctrine, if it's half truth, it's just as good as a lie. But he says, becoming to wholesome doctrine, the character and right living that identify true Christians. I like the way it words that there. The character and right living that identifies true Christians. He goes on, verse 2, urge the older men to be temperate, venerable, or serious, sensible, self-controlled, 
and sound in the faith, in the love, and in the steadfastness and patience of Christ. Verse 3, bid the older women similarly to be reverent and devout in their deportment as become those engaged in sacred service, not slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to give good counsel and be teachers of what is right and noble. So see, ladies, you have a responsibility too. So that they will wisely, in verse 4, train the young women to be sane and sober of mind, temperate, disciplined, and to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, chaste, homemakers. You don't want to say that word today. Good-natured, kind-hearted. Adapting and subordinating, oh man, is that in there? Now, I know I'm a man, but I'm just reading the word. And subordinating themselves to their husbands, that the word of God may not be exposed to reproach, blasphemed, or discredited. In a similar way, Urge the younger men to be self-restrained and to behave prudently, taking life seriously, not walking about, looking at everything as if it's just an object, treating young ladies like they're just a piece of meat, so on and so forth, but behaving themselves in a self-restrained way, taking life seriously. And show your own self in all respects to be a pattern and a model of good deeds and works, teaching what is unadulterated, showing gravity, having the strictest regard for truth and purity of motive, with dignity and seriousness. And let your instruction be sound and fit and wise and wholesome, vigorous and irrefutable and above censure, so that the opponent may be put to shame, finding nothing discrediting or evil to say about us. Wow. We've been talking about character. That's what we started on. And I, I mentioned last week that some folks lead with attitude and some folks lead with character. Now, the difference is, we told you the definition, the definition of attitude is the way you feel and think about someone versus character represents your whole persona. So your character should govern your attitude. In other words, leading with attitude to me is like leading with your emotions. This is one of the issues perhaps that is causing the demise not only of our society in our, in our individual locations that we're at, but perhaps our nation and throughout the globe, we are, we are seeing this happen. Leaders are leading with 
emotions. A lot of the catastrophic things that have happened, a lot of the major conflicts that have taken place throughout history, you, if you root it back, a lot of it had to do with some kind of childhood mishap or whatever the case may be, and things develop over time, unresolved issues, and as a result, you get these people in leadership positions, and they cause massive destruction. That is the danger to having someone in a leadership position who is not equipped to properly lead. Now, leadership is one of those things. Some people say you're born a leader, but even a leader has to be developed. One, some of our greatest leaders, even in the scripture, you find that there was a developmental process before they took leadership. David, one of our great kings that we always preach and teach about, but before he became king, God was using some things to develop David in his youth. So even a leader has to go through some type of process to learn some things so that he can lead effectively. Amen? This is why it's so important, you know, when, I mean, you take the fact that God anointed David to be king. And so please don't confuse the fact that when God chooses you, he chooses you. That's, it's the same in God's eyes. That does not change. God still expects the same, but there's a developmental process. That's why I love the story of David and Saul, because David showed himself when he was anointed king, he didn't just rise up and say, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and have, we're going to commit anarchy here. and We're going to overthrow the king because I'm supposed to be king. I was anointed to be king. I, that's rightfully mine, so I'm going to be in the seat. Today, I'm taking over. David submitted himself. He continued to serve Saul, even knowing the things that was going on, the fact, even to the point where Saul was pursuing the life of David because he knew there was a change coming about. His household was not going to be able to continue. Uh, Samuel already told him what was going to happen. This is the end of the kingdom for you and your lineage. God is giving it to somebody else because you messed up. You didn't obey here it is, Saul is angry with David because of his own doing, pursuing the life of David. But even then, look at what happened when you read the story. David is in a point where, you know, Saul is sleeping and David comes in the middle. And I'm like, you know what, they didn't travel in just small groups. You know, like they're showing VeggieTales and stuff, you know, you see like one or two around. The king was heavily guarded. So for David to make his way through all of that and take a piece of the king's garment with his spear or with his staff or whatever weapon that he had, you know that was nothing but the provision of God. David had the opportunity to take the king out. You pursuing after me? See, in today's society, a lot of folks would have made that decision. Oh, you coming after me? I'm going to take you out first. But David had a reverence for the man of God, even knowing that the Spirit of God was no longer with him. He reverenced the fact that God set this man in place. And so until God removes him, it is not my responsibility to take the man of God out. Wow. So, Saul comes to... 
David calls him out and says, hey, I just want you to know I had the opportunity to take your life. It was in my power. It was in my hand. I had that opportunity, but I chose not to. Look, here's proof. Wow. What reverence. I love that story. I love reading about that. There's power. When, you know, when you submit, a lot of people look at submit as, oh, we're just being weak and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, being enslaved and being in submission is two different things. Because when you're in submission, you choose to submit to something. When you're enslaved, you have no choice. So I love the fact that David just submitted to the leadership that was in place. Not because of the man, though. This is what this is what our church folks need to understand as Christians. It's not that we're putting so much confidence in the man. But if God has set the man of God there, it is not my responsibility. It is I don't have the authority to remove the man of God from my life if God has positioned me in that place. Are y'all with me? See, when we start talking about faithfulness to God, that's what it comes to. It's easy to be faithful when everything is going smooth and everything looks right and everything aligns with what we think it should be. But when things get a little rocky, are we still committed to God? And if we're still committed to God, that means we're still committed to being where he wants us to be. Amen? But all of this here, what we just read, you know, and that, like I said, that's the amplified version. So, I mean, I like the way it expounds upon that. Man, it lays it all out. You ain't got no excuse, young woman, old woman, young lady, old, I mean, uh, young man, old man. It just covered all the bases. So, I'm talking about leadership, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to tie this in here. But leadership is an important role in ministry. We talked about how uh, fellowship is important. We talked about how being engaged, you got to be actively engaged in the work of God. And we're talking about leadership. Leadership is an important role in ministry. The main difference, I mentioned this before, between a leader and a follower is increased responsibility and authority. Increased responsibility and authority. Both the leader and the follower are equally accountable for what they know and understand. So there's no difference in that. Accountability is accountability regardless. Whatever is right is right. However, leaders are not only responsible for themselves, they are also responsible for the people that they lead. So, for example, law enforcement. You get law enforcement personnel, they're no less accountable to the law than the local citizen. However, law enforcement personnel are also responsible for ensuring every local citizen abides by the same laws. So it's not just the prestige of wearing the uniform and saying, I'm a cop. I'm an FBI agent. You follow the law. But because I'm a cop, I'm okay. I can run a red light. Now, we do know there are some provisions when they're in pursuit. But that's different. But they are 
they are responsible for ensuring every local citizen abides by the same laws. In essence, everyone is accountable and responsible for their own actions. Leaders are responsible for influencing the actions of others. Leaders are also granted the authority to perform certain actions. Much like a power of attorney, those of you who know what a power of attorney is, it's a legal document that authorizes someone, some agent, to perform in your stead. Whatever actions or, or deeds or whatever it is that's noted in that document, they are authorized to carry out certain actions based upon that document, that legal document. So much like a power of attorney, leaders are legally granted authority from the individual who possesses absolute authority and can perform specific actions on their behalf. Guess what? Before you get the power of attorney, you can't use somebody else to give you power of attorney for, on behalf of somebody else. It doesn't work that way. If I want you to do something on my behalf, I have to be the one to grant you Right? So now, and that's why they caution you when you give, you know, they got specific, they got special uh, power of attorneys, you know, they got medical power of attorneys, they got different categories. But when you give a general power of attorney, a lot of them will caution you. You do understand what you're doing. It don't matter if it's your wife, they will caution you and say, you do understand what this means, right? They can do anything. They can open up accounts in your name, on your behalf. They can do. They can buy a house. They got a whole yacht in your name. So they caution you because a power of attorney is just that powerful. It's like they have become you with that power of attorney. Y'all with me? I love it. I love it. You should already be connecting all this. So they granted the authority from the individual who possesses absolute authority and can perform specific actions on their behalf. So in other words, leaders can only exercise authority within the limitations of what they have been granted. Whatever facet of leadership you are operating in, you are given a certain amount of authority. Outside of that, you're wrong. So if I'm law enforcement, my job is to make sure you follow traffic laws and the laws of the land, so on and so forth. But I can't cast a sentence on you as a law enforcement officer. I can arrest you. But I'm not the judiciary presider. I, I have to bring you. I have to bring you to jail. And I can't even defend you as a law enforcement officer. That's what they have lawyers for. But a lawyer can't give you a sentence. I want you to spend life in jail. That's nice, but let's go to court. Let's see what the judge says. Right. So we understand that everybody has. So we understand that in our world today, then why is it so difficult to understand that in the church? We will acknowledge all day long 
the settings, the hierarchy, and all that other stuff in our world today, when we go to work, we acknowledge we got a boss. Yes, boss, I'm going to work for you. Because I understand if I don't work, I don't get paid. Be on time? Yes, boss, I'll be there. But when it comes to church, is the pastor not leading the congregation? Mm. I want to use a visual aid here. Show y'all something. Somebody showed me this a little while back. Matter of fact, I want a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Anybody, somebody, anybody. Brother Wayne, come on. I'm glad you volunteered. Come on, sir. I need you. Now, this is what I need you to do. This won't take long at all. I want you to pay, place a part of this cord on the floor. Hopefully everybody can see. If you can't see, you can get to a spot where you can see. Now, his job is going to be with this cord. What I want you to do is take this cord and make sure this cord goes to the back of the room. But this part, because this is the leader now, he has to stay in the back. And the rest of it has to stay in one line going to the back. You ain't even try. Go ahead, try it. No, 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 you can't pick it up. Y'all see that? Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. What's the point of that? It's a saying that we have in the military said, lead from the front. It's hard to lead from the back. You can't get this piece of string to move from or, or cord to move from the front to the back, staying in the back and keeping them in line. Right? <laughs> Oh, we want to put God on the back seat. We want to put the man of God in the back seat. And then expect him. You know what makes me, it's not really funny, but I think about it often. I think about these secular artists and all that, you know, and I'm not picking on the world. But here's the part that gets me. This is where it includes us. When you get on stage after you done act a fool and you have dressed and everything else and you did everything you did and you receiving your award, I like to give honor to God. You ever heard that scripture? They honor me with their lips. But this... Now, I expect that from the world because they live in confusion. And again, I'm not picking on the people of the world because that's just there in the world. But we as Christians, there should be no confusion. There should be no reason why I honor God with my lip, but my heart is far removed from him. God is in the back seat Monday through Saturday, but Sunday, oh, wait a minute, hold on. We got revival Friday and Saturday and Sunday, so he's going to be on the front for those days. But, you know, 
And Wednesday, we got Bible study, so he's in the front for that evening, for that hour. But then the rest of the time, I told somebody, I said, you know what? I said, God is just concerned about the practical part of your life as he is the spiritual. And I like what the man of God said yesterday. You understand that the supernatural dictates the natural. What you see is a manifestation of what already existed in the mind of God, not the chaos. Everything God created was good. <laughs> Those of you who have children, you understand when you do something nice, you set the table or, you know, you just cleaned up and you got kids and they run through and mess up. And you like, I just cleaned this. I'm trying to keep things straight and y'all keep messing it up. I believe that's how God feels. I just fixed this mess in your life. Didn't I just deliver you from smoking? You remember those testimonies you told about God delivered me. Thank God for being saved and sanctified. I just delivered you from pornography. You got that one thing influencing you, drawing you back. All right, let me get back to my notes. <laughs> one of the key elements to being responsible and carefully exercising authority while positively influencing others as a leader is good character. Character represents the way a person, not only the way a person thinks or feels, but how they behave. We can't afford to lead, we can't afford to live this life as a Christian based upon emotions. It's time out for coming into the house of God. We get an emotional feel. Somebody yells and raises their voices and, you know, speaking great things. And, you know, we hear the music going and, you know, we get pumped up and we leave here. We're on an emotional high. But nothing has really changed. Leaving in the same state. So week after week, I don't know about you, but for me, there's a point in my life where I'm like, I don't want to be stagnant, as it was already mentioned before. I don't want to be stale. Anybody like drinking stale water? Scripture says living water, right? Ever flowing. You know what that means? Every bit of water, that's, every drop that's coming out is fresh water. You know how that happens? When you stay connected to the source of living water. As he flows through you, you have living water flowing out of you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, right? God don't deal in no swampiness. We got swampy Christians, y'all know that? Just been sitting for the longest Harboring all kinds of mosquitoes and everything else, all kinds of parasites, bitterness, anger, frustration, fear, doubt, and you name it. Is this all right? And I got 15 minutes left. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) 
Character represents the way you, a person thinks, feels, and behaves. It is a reflection of your personality and the essence of who you are. You realize that this here, this is a shell. We live in this shell, but please understand this shell can't be saved. The Bible lets us know the flesh is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible talks about when you're baptized, it's not the doing away of the filth of the flesh. That's not what the bapt- It's just an answer of a clean conscience. The flesh constantly wars against the spirit. That's why Paul encourages us to walk in the spirit. And by walking in the spirit... You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It is a common belief that in our society that leaders should lead in the front. Therefore, the values, beliefs, and actions of a leader must be positive and progressive in order to influence and develop the character of others. So why am I talking to everyone about leadership? Well, how can a husband lead his wife in a marriage relationship? The Bible says that the head of every man is the, or the head of every woman is what? Oh, come on, y'all. The head of every, see, y'all act like I made this up. What script, where's that scripture at? The head of every woman is the man. The head of every man is Christ. Anybody remember where that scripture is? If you find it, let me know, please. I want y'all to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Thank you, sir. Just so y'all know, I ain't up here making up stuff. Verse, what is it? First Corinthians 11, thank you. Verse 3, thank you, sir. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Paul says, but I would have you know that the head of every... This, I don't know how the men in our society skip this part. I've, I've heard men use, reference this scripture and they skip this whole part in the middle and say, the head of the woman is the man. I had one. I was, I was on my way to Korea. I think it was Korea. And a gentleman, you know, proceeded to tell me he was on his way to Korea to find a wife because they're more submissive. And he referenced this passage. But... I'm just trying to understand. He was quick to reference that the head of the woman is the man. But I'm just trying to figure out how he skipped that part. The head of every man is. This is one of, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the reasons why we have a lot of the issues we have in our society today. Can I say this? Let me let me say it like this. <clears throat> now, you can take this and leave it. I'm not saying that this is in the scripture, but this is what I believe. You can't be a man without Christ. 
Period. That's my belief. Based upon this scripture, if the head of every man is Christ, then I'm already living in confusion when I remove myself from my head. So a lot of folks are aspiring to do great things and be themselves and be what they want to be, so on and so forth. But again, the Bible says the head of every man is, and we are to submit to our head. Some of the reasons why we have issues in our relationships is because the man is not submitted to Christ to begin with. We want our wives to submit to us as men, but we don't want to submit to Christ. Am I touching on this? I'm sorry, y'all, but this is the scripture. Everybody want to be a leader, but we got to understand what it means to lead. So if I'm supposed to be a leader as a husband... I got to follow the leader too. I'm not being ugly, but I'm just, I got to tell the truth. That's why a lot of our homes are broken today because of lack of submission. Nobody's submitting to nobody. So we all just live and just haphazardly. Anything goes. Can I tell you something? Did you see, there, there's nowhere in the scripture that I find where there was a there was a special case where you didn't have to submit. Well, you don't understand my situation. You're right, I don't. I may not have been through what you've been through. But the Bible tells us how we are supposed to carry ourselves. Now, please let me say this while I'm on this, because if you got, there are situations where you might need to be removed from the situation, but you don't remove yourself from the will of God. You know, abuse is one of those things that unfortunately is happening in our society. And for everybody that goes through that, you know, child of God or whatever the case may be, you're looking for guidance. You also, you know, you definitely need to go see your your pastor and get godly counsel on what you need to do. Amen. But it may be necessary to remove yourself from the situation, but you're not removing yourself from the will of God. There have been plenty of people who have been in those state or, or in those positions. And God can turn that situation around regardless of what we think. God can turn that situation around. Sometimes we're just not willing to wait to see what God's going to do. I'm sorry, but that's the truth of the matter, folks. Sometimes we look at life from our temporal standpoint. You know, that's what faith does. It allows us to peer into the eternal dimension of life. To see things that really don't exist as if they already exist. I would love to preach that message one day, the process between the manner and the manifestation. I would love to preach that one day. There's a, there, you know, God has a perfect timing in how he does things. But it's up to us to trust him. You know, if, if your spouse is not doing what they're supposed to, you continue to submit to God. Continue to submit to the man of God. If you can, if they're not doing anything godly, then, you know, hey, you can't do anything about that. But until God changes the situation, 
you got to stay where you are. You got to stay strong, stay steadfast in what you're doing and know that God, just believe that God's going to do it. One way or the other, God's going to do it. I believe firmly that if God doesn't change the person, he's not able to change the person because they don't want to change, God has a way of removing things from your life. Come on, y'all. This is the truth. There's hope in God regardless of how you look at it. You can look at God all you want crazy, but at the end of the day, the reason why we're in a lot of the mess that we're in is because of our own doing, not because God wasn't working on our behalf. And ladies and gentlemen, just like the man of God said, God already has. This is what I love about God. It's already in your path, but when you take the step forward the way God is ordering your steps, you're going to walk into what God already established for your life in the first place. The steps of a good man. Y'all with me? Oh. What I tell you is blessing my soul. The word of God is awesome. I love it. I love it. So how can a husband lead in his lead his wife in a marriage relationship? How can parents effectively develop their children to have good mannerisms, morals, Values and beliefs? How can academic scholars successfully impact the lives of their pupils? How can law enforcement, government officials, and judicial representatives influence the character of our nation? How does a Christian influence and lead sinners to Christ? How can apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, elders, bishops, deacons, and other church leaders effectively develop the body of Christ? There's two prominent things on the body by which you receive information. Two areas. That is the eyes and the ears. Most of what you know, most of what you value, most of what you believe is predicated upon what you've received both through the eyes and the ears. First and foremost. Before you were able to speak good, blah, 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 you was already receiving information. Oh, look, there's light. Oh, man, there's somebody. I don't even have a clue who daddy is, but I understand that they must be somebody in my life because they're standing right there. Then when you hear, after a while, you hear that same voice. Before you even born, you're already hearing that voice. You're hearing voices and you're understanding, becoming familiarized. Man, this is a familiar voice right here. I don't know who they are, but they're familiar to me. You know what the Bible says about hearing his voice? He says, my sheep hear my, and I know them, <laughs> and they follow after me. You know how the sheep hear the voice? They, they are familiar. They, you know, we're not talking about, oh, I just, I just happened to hear something that, you know, just whizzing by, and it was just one of those things I didn't really pay attention to. But I was actually listening for his voice. That's why I was able to hear him speak to me. Folks always ask that question. Well, how do I know if God is speaking? Well, first of all, you need to be quiet and listen. You know, in prayer, it's not you doing all the talking. Did you know that? How many times, I told you, I, I mentioned this before, but how many times you sit there and pray and you're like, oh, you know, Jesus, I need you to do such and such. And, you know, I thank you for everything that you've done. And, Lord, I need you to answer this, you know, answer this prayer and, and touch here and bless here and do this and do that. And, Lord, I need you to, and watch it. And thank you so much for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how you doing? Now, I'm going to pray that our prayer. 
Woo! I feel good because I did all the talking. But what point did I take the time to listen to what he was telling me? So we got to listen for his voice. The more you listen to God, you know, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, right? And hearing by the word of God. So if faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, how do you think faith is developed? You continue to hear the word of God. Because in order for you to understand the word of God, you've got to first receive it, right? Amen. So faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We've got to be listening to the word of God. And that's not, if you're looking for an audible voice from God, he's in that black suit right there, or blue, dark blue, whichever one it is. He's in this dark blue suit up here. He's in all these suits. See, those of y'all spirit fields, y'all looking for an audible voice from God for him to speak to you like he did Moses. I'm going to tell you something, man, that was a dynamic relationship between Moses and God. I was telling my wife the other day, I said, man, that's, got, that's awesome when God says, he says, hey, let me, let me see who you are, God. Show me yourself. God said, well, I can't do that, but I'll I just show you my back. Wow. I don't know if I'd have been able to handle that on the mountain. I just seen God's back. Man, that's awesome right there. But if you're waiting for God to manifest himself like he did on Mount Sinai, I don't know if you realize, but, I mean, there's a lot of hills, but ain't no big mountains for you to be climbing. you waiting for that audible voice. You know, some folks, I, <laughs> I got to say this, and I, look at this. I, I'm almost through this, I think. <laughs> How many times does it happen? You ever have, you know, God speaks to the husband, let's just say, before y'all start throwing stones. Well, he can speak to me too. Yes, he can. But God speaks to the husband, says, and the, and the husband says, well, I believe God is telling me to do this. Well, God ain't told me that. Now, listen, it sounds funny, but imagine how much further you would be in life if you just submitted and trusted God for what he was leading your husband to do. So now you forfeit and you hinder the hand of God simply because you didn't believe because it was coming through the man of God in your life. See, y'all, come on. But it's the same way we do the pastor. Oh, man, he's just a man. Who was he? I ain't listening to that. God told, God speaks to me too. To the point where we have folks now, I don't need a pastor. I don't need a church home. Do my own thing. I'll visit, but God speaks to me too. But you know what? Some things God ain't telling you because you ain't in a position to listen. So he got to use the foolishness of preaching. Y'all ever paid attention to that? The fool, not that preaching is foolish. But use the foolishness of preaching to get our attention. So what does that say? Y'all tell me. But I know that the word of God is not just coming from an audible voice from God himself. He's using, he has folks 
that are willing to speak the word of God. And as long as it is in compliance with his word, with the scriptures, you know what Paul said, the ones that were in Berea were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica. Why? Because they accepted the word of God with all readiness of heart, and then they did what? Went back and searched the scriptures to see if those You know what they were doing? They were hungry. They were trying to learn and grow. Because in order for you to witness to somebody else, you got to know for yourself. Jesus says, search the scriptures, right? What did the Bible say? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed. So you can do what? You butchering the scriptures ain't going to help nobody. Amen? When Paul said, I would, that everybody was like me, he wasn't given a commandment for everybody to be single. But this is, this is doctrine that, that people are preaching. You want to be a minister of God, you can't be married. Wonder where that's preached at. Look, y'all know I ain't trying to be ugly, and it's 1015. Yes, I presume we will be continuing next week. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Listen, God bless y'all. Do love y'all. And let's continue to stay in the things of God. Amen. And let's get ready to take our break so we can come back for a dynamic service in Jesus' name. God bless you.